The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We got fab to talk about. We're going to talk about some players that we have been wrong about. Uh, Jeff Erickson's out of town gallivanting the world. We'll be joined by Toby G from Batflip Crazy. All coming up next. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Scott Jensta, joined as uh, not as always uh, on Sunday nights. Uh, usually it's Jeff Erickson. We got Toby G from Bat Flip Crazy Night. Really appreciate him joining us. If you guys could please rate or review the podcast, uh, it goes a long way towards helping us there too. Uh, Toby, it's uh, it's good to see you. Good to join you. Uh, one of the uh, if anybody doesn't know Toby, one of the uh, one of the more accomplished uh, NFBC players, at least the last like three or four years. Uh, really good player, uh, really good guy. Uh, we we saw each other and hung out in Vegas a little bit. So I uh, look forward to seeing that. There's already people in the chat that are fired up that Toby's here. I never get anyone uh, in the first minute that's fired up that I'm here. So that that's pretty good. But uh, Toby, how's everything? How are you? Uh, and uh, I appreciate you joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Scott. Um, fantastic pod that you and Jeff have. I'm honored to be on here. Things are things are going pretty well. It's a Sunday after Fab, so I, I can't complain at all. Uh, yeah, Sunday after Fab is always uh, always a fun fun time to uh, to talk some baseball and kind of uh, talk everything through here. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's jump right in. Uh, how's your season going so far? We're at like June 12th. We we're talking a little bit on air or off air about how you know it seems like it's not quite the, you know, you move up like 500 spots every day. Like things are a little more, if you have a good week or, or bad, you can tell, but things are solidifying a little bit. Um, I mentioned to you that it wasn't really a great week, but my team didn't really move that much. That's a pretty good sign that uh, some of these stats that we've banked already are starting to matter. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my, my season's been okay right now. We were talking before and, you know, I'm just kind of hanging around. I have one team in, in my two main events. I have one team that's in second place, 52nd overall, I have another one that actually jumped 50 spots uh, today nice. with the uh, Stripling and Springs uh, outings. That this, was a, uh, that was a nice uh, nice couple of starts from Ross Stripling. That's a nice pick. You oh. pick him, I, think, I assume you picked him up last Sunday? Uh, I did, yeah. I Beautiful. actually didn't even have him at the top of my 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 uh, bids. I actually had Connor Pilkington there, and then he got cool. the rain delay, which kind of messed everything up. But I lucked out in that one, got Stripling, got those two starts. Um, which was really nice. And I need uh, help in ratios. That's where I'm kind of the worst in that league. So it jumped me up uh, 50 spots to 97. So I was very pleased so that I could say I had two top 100 teams uh, when I came on the program today. I was going to say, you say it's kind of, season's kind of going, okay, two teams in the top, two teams in the top 100 of the main event is uh, 
a really good place to be on June 12th. I always say that uh, you just want to want teams that uh, got a chance to make a run in the summer. It sounds like you uh, you got two things going there. So that's uh, that is that is nice. The the one at 52nd overall. That's the one that's in Jeff's league. Yeah, that's the one in Jeff's league. I'm second overall. The only problem is I'm behind John Posma. So I don't I don't love my ch- I don't love my chances uh, moving forward. But it's a really solid team. The pitching is is really good. The hitting is all right. So I'm hoping that as the season progresses just trying to grind those plate appearances and hopefully make up a little bit of ground. And that was the, that was the Byron Buxton at the, uh, at the max, uh, the max pick uh, that Jeff and I have talked about a bunch. And uh, last week I was like, maybe he's not so upset about that, but uh, Buxton kind of woke up this week and um, he's, he's back to uh, back to being a great value where you got him. Oh, for sure. I was very pleased at 59. He wasn't even, he wasn't even somebody I was thinking about at that spot right. and to get him. And then I got cease after that, I think at 62. So I was really pleased with the way that that draft started so far, it's performed as I've been expecting, but I do need the offense, including Buxton, to do a little bit more. I mean, the home runs are nice, but not getting any steals really from him yeah. has had an impact, and the batting average has not been helpful either. So hopefully anybody, hopefully, he turns it around. Anybody in particular that's crushed you on offense, you need to turn around and get going? Oh, man. Um, on oh, that particular... Sounds, sounds like the list is long. Uh, I, we'll see. It's so tough now, like because our perspective is so shifted in terms of offense and like what we were looking for. Right. Um, guys that have not been performing. It's, I mean, my team, honestly, like there's not a lot of guys that stand out. Andrew Benintendi is one where the batting average has been great, but I was actually going to throw him on our, on my list of kind of underperformers just because he hasn't really done anything else. I was expecting a little bit of power. I was expecting some speed and I don't yeah. think he has a steal yet this year. And when you do that, when you're expecting 10, 12 steals from a guy, and you have zero. Those yeah. are the ones that hurt for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm looking at him now. He only has two home runs. Who it's been? You're right though. Three oh eight. It's just been a really quiet, quiet three eight. So helping in the batting average, but I don't know. You got to think new, uh, new ball. Maybe a little, a little warming up in Kansas City. Maybe we'll we'll get him going. But uh, it seems like a couple of teams woke up this week. Uh, the Braves have won eleven games in a row. Kind of making a little bit of ground on the Mets. Five and a half back. The Phillies won nine of ten. Um, Yankees of Yankees are still on fire. They've won, they won four in a row, uh, nine out of 10 there too. It seems like, uh, seems like New York's the place to be, but there's only two teams in the majors with, with 40 or more wins and both of them reside in New York. Uh, do you think both teams are, uh, as for real as, uh, as they've shown so far? I mean, I think the Yankees definitely, they were, they're obviously playing incredible baseball, but with the pitching staff that they've put together, obviously with Cole, uh, leading the way, but then you think about Nestor Cortez, yep. who's been amazing. And we keep on expecting him to kind of fall off and he's had one or two hiccups, but nothing, nothing major. Severino's back. Tyone seems to be back. Yeah. And then Jordan Montgomery has been incredibly solid with very little run support. So yeah. you look at those five and it's just not, those aren't matchups you love to see your hitters facing, um, any day of the week. So Yankees look really good. I think if the Mets can kind of keep it together while their rotation struggles and while they don't have guys healthy, which yeah. they've been able to do, I think they can be really good too. Yeah, the Yankees are wild. I mean, you look at they they have the most runs scored in the American League, and then they've given up 25 runs fewer than anybody else in the American League, too. Like it, it's just a, an insane combo run. They're 44 and 16. Like Houston's really good. And they're just, I mean, they're they're putting some distance on it between them. It's uh it's been wild. I mean, just to see if that pitching staff all holds up because it's it's just cycling through. There's never a there's never a day where you're like, oh, I get to face this guy. And even if you do get to the the starters a little bit, you know, Michael King comes in, Clay Holmes has given up like one run all year. The bullpen's really good too. They're just they're 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 fully stacked right now in, in every way. Yeah, absolutely. And 
Clay Holmes has been a revelation back there yeah. in, in the back of that pen and has you, allowed uh, some you, other guys you score to score. Did you score any Clay Holmes? I have Clay Holmes in an OC. I have an yeah. OC that's like top 200 in second place right now, which is which is kind of a theme for me is second place right now. But um, yeah, that, that yeah, was... You know, don't want to be in first in June 12th anyway. Second place is perfect. Just kind of chill and get ready to make your own. It's funny you say I have an OC that's like 35th overall. And I'm like, you, like, you think you'd like be way ahead. And John Posma, mm. you mentioned earlier, is like a point behind me. It's like, it's just a ridiculous spot to be in. <laughs> but uh, I picked up I picked up Max Muncy in that league. He was available, mm. um, you know, obviously off the IL, had the, had the home run where uh, they walked Trey Turner in front of him on Friday night, I think. But... Uh, I went. Uh, I went. I went like seventies for that. I just uh, you know first, second, third eligibility. Hit thirty six home runs last year. I kind of figure that's one of those spots where maybe it's worth taking a stab because an OC like that might be a difference maker. Yeah, he was actually on the wire last week for me, and I, I put in a bid. I think of thirty something dollars. I'm pretty low on Fab. I went pretty hard early on to try to get some difference makers that I don't think ended up being difference makers, <laughs> um, like Josh Lowe. You know, uh, one of those. Yeah. yeah so. Um, but yeah, I, I missed out on him and it was disappointing because he hasn't been great this year, but he's Muncie. And I love those guys who are kind of struggling first half of the year, maybe get yeah. dropped. But when you look under the hood, you know, yeah, things aren't as great as they usually are, but they have a certain talent level they've established. And as long as they're healthy, they'll get close to it at least. Yeah. I mean, you stick a guy in that lineup too. It's like, it's just, it's hard to not fall into stats at some point, but um let's look ahead of next week it feels like with the the kind of week we had off at the start of the season we're getting a lot of a lot of weeks with a lot of games we have uh three teams with eight games washington philly and seattle nine other teams with seven games the dodgers are the only team with five games um did you find yourself uh kind of attacking any particular offense this week like uh you know s- schedules you like to stream i know that uh you know seattle and philly we mentioned have eight games the padres are going to Coors field the rockies are home all week uh, when you're doing your fab this week are there any like teams you're really kind of targeting in on you know, you know, there really, there really wasn't, it felt like a week where I, I should have been doing that, but you know, every single team, either it, at least it felt like they either had their established stars and they they had platoons that weren't really working out or, um, you know, just guys that I didn't want to roster, you know, it's like Abraham Toro, yeah. you know, on the, on the Mariners, for instance, I'm like, do, do I want to go there? Do I really want to go there? And it ended up being that, you know, somebody else with three or four games was a little bit more um, interesting to me. So I kind of got guys from a variety of different places and not not really focusing too much on any any particular teams. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of look at it if anybody's like streaming or playing in a daily league. Like I love Toronto this week. They get four against Baltimore, but then three against the Yankees. Um, they're all at home, but, you know, the Yankees pitching will be a tough weekend, but you got to love four against Baltimore in Toronto. It's going to be nice. Uh, the Padres is probably the best. Setup. They have four against the Cubs and, uh, there's nobody on Cubs pitching staff right now that scares me at all. I mean, Stroman's on the IL. Uh, Hendricks has been brutal. It just I think you can face everybody there. Be pretty happy. Then they go to Coors for the weekend, and there's obviously nobody you're scared of there. Plus the environment uh, feels like the Padres. Uh, you know, have have made a run at the Dodgers here. They're a game. They're a half game back. The Dodgers got swept by the Giants this weekend. Um, you know, we kind of looked at the NL West like ah, a couple weeks ago, like that's over. The Dodgers pulled away and. Dodger, Dodgers are up three and a half on the Giants, half game on the Padres. So this could be a week where the where the Padres make a pretty hard run at the Dodgers. I think the Padres are going to score a lot of runs this week. Again, you kind of mentioned like all their hitters are, are mostly rostered. Uh, you know, Jerickson Profar was there in a couple on lines, but has been taken out. He's hitting leadoff. But uh, I think the Padres are a good one. Uh, Seattle has eight games at home, Minnesota and L.A., Although I think Joe Ryan and Sonny Gray are going to face both of them this week. But I was kind of with you. So many teams play so many games. I was kind of looking for the, the better players, the better hitters, rather than trying to maximize schedule. 
Yeah, for for sure. I mean, the Padres was nice, but I was like, do I want uh, Nomar Mazzara? You know, yeah. or uh, <laughs> and I decided not to go there. So, so let's. That's uh, a good segue into Fab. Um, I found Fab to be really hard this week for starting pitching. Um, you're a you're a good starting pitching guy, so I was interested to see who you were looking at, who you're looking to pick up. But I, it felt like a week to me, like maybe get some middle relievers, maybe rely on who I have. Um, Jason Alexander and Andre Palente for uh, the, the the Brewers and the Cardinals are kind of some names that people are looking at. Uh, pitched uh, pitched well this week. Uh, what were you looking at in terms of like uh, any stars that really jumped off the page? We'll talk about kind of the weaker two steps coming up. Are there any starters that you were attacking on multiple teams you really liked this week? Because I had a lot of trouble finding guys that I wanted to. I felt good throwing out there this week. Yeah, um, there wasn't a ton of guys. I had Nick Martinez available in a couple leagues, but didn't, didn't end up getting him on the Padres. Looks like he's going to get a start against the Cubs this week. He pitched really well against the Rockies um, the week before. Uh, the guy that I actually went after the most and I ended up getting the most, uh, mostly uncontested, which isn't surprising, was actually Braxton Garrett of yeah, the right. Marlins. That was, uh, uh, he had a good get- start this weekend. <clears throat> He had a good start this weekend. You know, I'm, I kind of like to look at the skills of a player to, to figure out whether I'm interested in him or not. I know with Garrett, the, the thing that actually caught my attention first is that uh, Eno did his um, update on the athletic of his pitching plus metrics. And then when I sorted by pitching plus, the number, I think, five or six guy on the list was Braxton Garrett. It goes wow. Gaussman, Cole, Woodruff, Eovaldi, and Garrett. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that that Eno supports this pick or anything like that, but that kind of right. jumped off the page. Those are the types of things I'm looking for. When I looked into kind of what he'd done so far, he has a 14.2% swinging strike rate, 19% K-minus walk, 43.2% O swing. So a lot of the metrics that I'm kind of looking at, he checked the boxes on. That's not to say he'll do that consistently moving forward. He has the Mets this week, which I didn't like, but he has at home against the Rockies yep. uh, next week, which I do like. And then he'll have a two-step. I haven't even looked to see far enough out like uh, what he'll have there. But the Marlins have done some great things with pitchers. He's up one mile per hour from his previous stints in the majors. So I'm hoping that I'll, I'll get a little bit lucky and get him. So I got him in a few places. Uh, do you start him against the Mets this week or that a uh, that a buy for the next week after? I think I think it's a buy for me, especially at the Mets. Like if it was home against the Mets, yeah. I think I might be willing to go there. I'll have to do a little bit of research just to see like how do the Mets do against lefties, but they generally crush against everybody. So I'll probably wait until that uh, Rockies start. I'm fortunate enough where outside of maybe two or three places where I had to pick up like a Zach Davies um, who's home against the, the Reds and then has a nice two-step next week, like there's a couple of those that I have to move forward with, but not not Garrett anywhere, I don't think. Just don't tell your wife you picked up Zach Davies. She won't be happy with that. I, I know. I, he unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, he remarkably looks decent, like the Zach Davies of yeah. old. Yeah. Uh, the the two step for Garrett the week after is at St. Louis and at Washington. So probably one scary and one uh, one pretty good there. But I think that's one that uh, as long as he pitches well against the Rockies, I think you throw that for sure. Yeah, for sure. And it's just one of those things where you want to get a little bit more data on a guy. You know, yeah. I want to see him a couple of times, especially against a good lineup, see if those metrics hold up or if it's just kind of one or two starts that he was able to maintain it. So we'll see. It should be should be interesting. 
Yeah, that's a really uh, that's a really good name. I, I like that one a lot. Um, I like the fact that um, I talked about a lot of like even if your pitching's good, you don't need someone this week. Like you're always looking to bolster that staff. And you're going to have injuries. You're going to have guys you don't want to throw some weeks. And you know you don't have to you know add someone that's uh, that's going to be good this week. So you can uh, you can kind of take a look ahead. That's a really good uh, a really good name and one that uh, what people should definitely look at. Uh, if you did need a two start pitcher this week, it was it was ugly. If you're looking to get wins, some strikeouts. Um, Mitch Keller has two starts at St. Louis, San Francisco. Like I have bad history with Mitch Keller, so I kind of stayed away there. Um, Taylor Hearn, Kyle Bradish in Baltimore, Justin Steele in Chicago, but facing the Padres and the Braves. Uh, the A's call up Jared Koning, and he might pitch, but he's going at Boston. And then home Kansas City looks good, but like I don't want to throw anybody at Boston right now. Was there anybody that you liked with uh, with two starts this week? And again, even with the one star guys, I had a lot of trouble finding anyone I really wanted to throw this week and felt comfortable with. Yeah, not really. I mean, I think of the guys you mentioned. Keller Keller is an interesting name. Yeah. He's actually has a pitch mix change. He's moved from a four-seam fastball pretty exclusively. He's added a sinker recently. And while the skills haven't been great, uh, the results have been better. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see how that how that works. I mean, I had a lot of hope for Keller. I had him on a couple big leagues yeah, heading into the year um, because of that velo bump. I was expecting some improved results. Definitely yeah. did not. Uh, did not get those. Um, I think out of all the guys you mentioned, though, maybe Bradish. I don't love the Toronto start, obviously. I think that's the challenge. You don't have anybody who's got two good starts. But the Rays at home doesn't worry me too much. When you look at his metrics, he's pretty good, like just from a K-minus walk, swinging strike. The O swings right around league average. So is the end zone contact. So I do, um, I think out of everybody, probably him, but I, I wouldn't have gone there. Um, that's one of the reasons I like to go pitching heavy early yeah. on is so that I don't get pushed into too many situations where I have to go with guys like that. Although for some reason I always do end up doing that yeah. occasionally. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have some weeks where you've got some holes and you need a ninth pitch or something like that. But um, it's funny. Cause in like the first six weeks, everybody's like, well, I told you guys not to go pitching heavy. Cause if people throwing everybody out there and they're throwing gems and uh, that shifted the last four weeks. There have been a lot of landmines out there. There've been a lot of really, really bad starts from some good pitchers too. But a lot of these fringy guys, a lot of these streamers, like it, Ross Stripling is the one that didn't get, didn't get blown up this week. But a lot of these names we've talked about, Jeff and I have talked about, you know, the last three weeks, like, Oh, maybe you can get by with this guy. They have got crushed. Yeah. It's, it's not pretty. And I think it's important like to just, just, that's what I love about season long is yeah. you got, you have to think about the long term. So, you know, even when the season started off as it did, you know, with the humidors being put into every single ballpark, yep. we're now starting to see that shift. And as you mentioned, the depth and the waiver wire is just ugly. And I I've made some mistakes recently where I don't think I fully appreciated that. I think in one of my leagues, I ended up in one of my 15 teamers. I think I dropped Marco Gonzalez just because, He's been, it's been tough. I haven't really had him in my lineups for a few weeks now. And I had a little bit of a roster crunch and I got rid of him and he went for close to a hundred bucks this week, despite another not great start, you know? And so it just shows you how thin things are right now. It is. I'm going to go a little self-serving here and ask you a question because you're so good with pitchers. Uh, where are you on Blake Snell right now? I'm going a little off uh, off script here, but uh, I have him in a couple of 12 teamers. Um, pitched okay today. Uh, how do you feel about him? You know, obviously he had the injury to start out with. He's back now. Um, we haven't seen like any really great starts, but they're good enough where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep throwing this or keep holding on to this. Uh, where are you on Blake Snell going forward? If uh, you don't mind me going off script a little bit there. 
Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Um, see, it looks like he had a pretty good day game uh, today. He did. Just just looking at the metrics like really quickly. Um, swinging strike rate is still nice, thirteen point one percent. O swing nice at thirty three point six percent. Thirty one percent is around league average. He isn't dominating in the zone like he usually does. He has the highest in zone contact rate he's had in his career. Only a thirteen point three percent K minus walk rate. So I always want to check out the velo, but the velo looks like it's there. Um, and the pitch mix seems to be pretty similar to what it has been in the past. So that, that makes me encouraged just because he's not, he hasn't lost any velocity. He's throwing the pitches. Similarly, the slider is still nasty. 24.4% swinging strike rate. Uh, changeup is still nasty. 25.6% swinging strike rate. The four seam fastball seems to be the one that progressively over the last, you know, four years has gotten worse every year. Um, and that seems to be the case this year. So probably struggling with this fastball, um, you know, but he looks, he looks solid to me. Nothing, yeah. nothing concerning. It's funny. I see the ERA and whip every week in the 12 tier. I'm like, well, maybe I can use this spot to, to cycle through some guys. There's always people available in the 12 teamers, right? Like the 15s mm-hmm. are tough, but 12 is like, you always got someone available. And every time I look, I'm like, I still kind of like what I see from everything else besides, you know, the main fantasy stats. So I've, uh, I've held the walks uh, worrying me a little bit. I think he's at like thirteen uh, percent, something like that walk rate, and that's a, you know maybe that's coming off the injury, um, you know a little rust and the weird spring training, and they get hurt, so maybe it's just kind of cycling in. But um, I do like him going forward. If he was available anywhere, I'd certainly pick him up right away. And my thought process is like, if I pick him up that fast, there's no way I'm going to drop him. But it's uh, sometimes in the twelves, it's tempting to you know those fringy guys at the end of your roster. You, you see some interesting names. Uh, I, you know, there's there's always way better names in the twelves, but I was I was curious there. That was uh that was pretty good for me putting you in the spot right there. That was a pretty good wrap up on uh, on Snell without knowing it was coming. Yeah, well, I I try and I enjoy those things. I'm it's actually al- it's, al- it's it. almost like you do this regularly. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the walk rate is interesting. The zone percentage is really low, like thirty four percent, so much lower than it usually is, and that really strikes me as like guy who didn't have spring training. Right. He's still try- kind of trying to work out the kinks and. I uh, can't really get it over the, over the, over the plate right now, which is always painful. Like, yeah, you know, is. when you have hard a guy, to, it's hard to watch. Strikes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the worst. Um, so it's funny that the reliever market has been, was kind of wild in April and then really kind of calm in May. It was very, you know, the, the, the whole, like, I'll just get saves in, in fab did not work in May. There were not a lot of names out there. I feel like this is the first week where maybe that uh, maybe that relaxed a little bit. We have we have some names that people were bidding on. Um, the first one, I guess, would be it would be Tanner Scott in in Miami. I got two saves this week. Uh, you know, Anthony Bender is has been hurt. Dylan Floro is back now, pitching pretty well, but they haven't used him in that spot. They used Tanner Scott for two different saves this week. Um, I guess a do you think that they'll use a guy? Do you think it would be Scott? And and how do you like him as a as a pitcher? Yeah, I um, I mean, generally, I think the Marlins have shown in the past that they're willing to stick with one particular guy. I think Mattingly has actually said that he wants to have one guy, but yeah. they've just been such a mess in that bullpen. I mean, Bender was never really that good. He started off last year really good, but the skills kind of eroded and never came back. Scott is is really interesting. Um, he wasn't available in any leagues that I was after after. Uh, it, well, in any of my 15 teamers, he was available in a 12 teamer, but I didn't want to go high with him just because I have Clay Holmes and Josh Hader on that team. But Scott over the last 10 games has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you, 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 uh, you might have to put, if I share these numbers with you, you might have to put that explicit stamp <laughs> on the podcast. Yep. But uh, over the last 10, he's got a 69.2% 
in zone contact rate, uh, 40% O swing. So 10% better than league average uh, or more in both a 33% K rate, Oof. only a 7.7% walk rate, which is huge for him Big um, just because he's yeah. always struggled. And then his swinging strike rate is essentially 20%. Oof. So he's been absolutely phenomenal, but I mean, it's only 10, that's only 10 games. Right. And I think when we look at him historically, 13.3% walk rate, uh, but a 30% K rate as well. So I think you're always going to be living on the edge with him. We talked about Snell and like, you know, the walks that are going to happen. They're going to yeah. happen with Scott, but you just hope that he can kind of keep this groove going. And if he does, you know, he can rattle off a number of saves. So I definitely think he has the job right now, um, but it's just a matter of whether he can be consistent, which he, he really hasn't been throughout his career. Yeah, interesting pitch, pitch, pitch mix change with him. He's throwing 72% sliders right now. And last year it was 51%. Always been a two pitch guy, but it was, you know, last year was the first year he was majority sliders. Now he's pretty much all sliders, like the Patrick Corbin of relievers right now. But obviously it's working for him. Swing strike rate, uh, as you mentioned, is going way up. Uh, he was available in one of my two main events. I have uh, like two and a half closers there. So I was in, but it wasn't in hard. He went for 65, which I think is a pretty good price right now. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that would be great. I would have been. I would have I would have loved to have him in one of my main events since I do not have two and a half closers on yeah. my teams. So it, it, there and it's hard. Give me 15 teamers. We've talked about it before. There's like 22, 23 guys out there. So that's like one and a half each. And um, so yeah, I was a little surprised. I thought he'd go higher to some of the teams that are desperate in saves, but uh I thought 65 is a pretty good price. A guy that went almost hundred dollars more than that in my main. He was only available in 15%. He's available in a lot of 12 teamers. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez in Philadelphia. Uh, Corey Knable had the arm soreness over the weekend. He threw today, threw a bullpen today, said he felt good. They think it's only be a couple of days. Um, do you buy that? Do you believe that? Would you be in on Dominguez if he was available? And how do you like uh, Dominguez? He's been pitching really, really well. Yeah, he was available in one, not in any of my 15 teamers, I think, but he was available in a 12 and I did get him for 17 bucks, Oh, nice! Um, which, which was nice. The thing that I like about him this week, he's got the eight games too. So yeah. even if he doesn't close, he can be valuable. His skills are really good um, over the course of the season. Also really good in the shorter term as well. You know, low walk rate, um, high, high K rate as well. I definitely think he's the most skilled guy in that bullpen, but I think there's a few different guys they could go with if Kniebel is is injured. Yeah. You have Brad Hand, who hasn't been that great from a skills perspective, but has been fine from like a results perspective and also has the history of closing. And then yeah. they've been using Brogdon in a lot of high high leverage situations as well, which is a little interesting to me. Um, but I, I like Dominguez a lot. I would have gone after him. I don't think my bid would have been that high. I'd much rather have Scott at the 65 bucks than Sir Anthony at the hundred plus. Yeah, he was uh, he was one fifty five in my main. He was not available in very many, but he went to he went to Dave Potts there. So obviously a really good a Hall of Fame player. Sure. So um, it's just I think a lot of it depends on Canable. I mean, if he if he's fine in a couple of days, I never trust that with any kind of reliever with any kind of shoulder or arm issue. Um, if he's fine in a couple of days, that's probably uh, probably a bid that you you might regret at that number. Uh, but if he's not, I mean, Dominguez could take over. That's a, a team that's playing well right now. You mentioned they mentioned the games this week. Um, so even if Canable's fine, he's not going to throw back to back this week. I would assume and probably take it easy on him. So you might be able to sneak a couple in there. Uh, what about uh, what about Boston? Are you touching this uh, this Boston bullpen at all? Uh, we got Matt Strom with a couple of saves. We got uh, Tanner Houck got the save today and looks to be 
uh, you know, when he's available, looks to be the guy they kind of have shifted to a little bit. I mean, I think they they need to figure something out there. They would be they'd be kind of right in the mix. They wouldn't be up with the Yankees, but they'd be much better if they could figure it out. But they've lost a lot of games in the bullpen this year. It's been a mess um, cycling through, you know, Robles, who I know you're, is one of your old uh, one of your old friends, um, and, you know, Matt Barnes and all that. Uh, is there anybody in the Boston bullpen that you want at all right now? Are you staying away? If they're available, are you bidding on anybody? Kind of how do you think yeah, the situation works itself out in the second half of the year? Yeah, I think, I mean, it looks like it's Hauk's job. I think yesterday when uh, Hansel uh, blew the save, I think uh, Cora even said, you know, Hauk wasn't available. So he's even kind of, I think, pointing toward toward the fact that he's the closer. Strom has been really good, you know, over the course of the season. The skills look really good as well, um, especially recently too. So he could definitely get a portion of that, but I'd be going after Hauk. He was available in a 12-team league, the same league that, Tanner Scott was available in. I think they both went for close to a hundred or over a hundred there. So I wasn't in on that, but I definitely think Hauk has the job there. His skills have not been as good this year, but when yeah. you move into that relief role, a little bit of a velo bump, he's got the nasty slider we know about. Um, the sinker looked really good when I saw him the other day, although he did get very lucky against the Mariners. Uh, Adam Frazier hit a rope uh, right to second base to Trevor story that would have scored two runs and had the, yeah. Had the Red Sox lose the game. So, you know, it's it's always tough with these closer situations because all it takes are one is one or two mistakes and, and you're out of a role. But I like Hauk right now. Yeah, I think that uh, they've got to figure out a guy. And I know they like to use Hauk in the, the multi-inning role. And he started a little bit. I just I think they have to pick a guy and just kind of go with it and, and, and realize they're going to sacrifice a little bit. But they've got to get someone back there that can – they can shut down games. Uh, what about, you mentioned the Mariners when you're talking about how, what about Seattle? looks like Diego, Diego Castillo um, kind of resting that job, maybe a little bit from the him and Paul Seawald and Stecken Ryder, who's now on the aisle, but him and uh, him and Seawald kind of been shifting back and forth, hard to figure it out. Uh, Castillo has been really, really good about the last uh, two or three weeks, kind of settling into that, uh, the back end of that bullpen. Um, Seawald gave up runs in the last two outings, um, gave up a home run to Rafael Devers today. There was, a pitch that was like high and outside and Devers still hit it out. So I'm not going to like, not going to blame him too much because Devers obviously can hit anything. But I, I saw the home run. I'm like, Oh, what did Seawall do now? And I saw the pitch. I'm like, well, you know, I, I, hard to blame him at some point. I think it's sometimes it's important to like see a pitch and know, realize it wasn't a mistake. It was just, these hitters are really good. Um, any interest in that uh, Castillo in your bids this week? Yeah, I had him in there. Um, not aggressive enough. I didn't see exactly where he went in most leagues. I thought I saw that he went for 50 plus dollars in at least one of them. So he was pretty popular. You mentioned, I mean, he's been insanely good the last, uh, the, the last 10, 10, uh, games he's pitched his K rate is over 40%. Yeah. Um, his walk rate is, is under 6%. Just been incredible. I didn't really realize how good he had been until, um, somebody had mentioned him and I, and I did a little bit of a dive, but I have a really hard time paying that like $50 to speculate on whether a closer is going to get the gig or not, which I think right. in some, some instances is a weakness. I prefer to go after the, the guys that I can speculate maybe a little bit lower under $10 and, and get lucky, but that hasn't been super successful for me over the last couple of years. So I may have to shift and be a little bit more aggressive. So I didn't get him, but I was definitely interested. Uh, I was surprised when I looked this afternoon as I was doing Fab, I was surprised how I didn't remember him being quite as good last year as he was. I mean, he was, ERA was 2-8, whip was under one. He had 16 saves, and obviously the Rays, you know, moved stuff around. Then he went to went to Seattle. But um 32% strike rate, 7% walk rate. Castillo was really, really good last year. I think I kind of just forgot it because it was in, you know, Rays bullpen. So I just kind of throw those guys all away because they all did in the same bucket. But uh He's been really good last year, and he he struggled to start this year, but it seems like he settled back into the 2021 guy. So I uh, 
I, I have Seawald in my main event that's doing well, and I'm, uh, I didn't drop him, but I, I think it might be uh, leading that direction. Yeah, yeah, he is, he's not he's not been as good either. The numbers are still pretty good, but his uh, his metrics stuff he's not quite the kind not quite the lights out guy he was last year. Yeah, it just shows you like it's really hard to predict with who those guys yeah. that jump out for one year are going to be and how good they're going to be that second year. It's really hard to maintain that level of skill. Uh, speaking of uh, Castillo and speaking of Tampa Bay, did you do anything with uh, with Jason Adam who got the last save there? Or you just uh, I'm mostly a stay away from Tampa Bay. I just I get too frustrated trying to figure it out, and I you know, I, I pick someone up and they throw in the you know the, the fourth inning and come in with one out and that sort of thing. Uh, did you do anything with Jason Adam this week? I didn't do anything with Jason Adam. I did have uh, Matt uh, Whistler or Weisler, um on very low down on a few lines just in case. All of my bids uh, didn't work out, but Tampa has just been moving it around this year. They haven't really focused in on one guy, even when Kittridge was healthy. And I expect that to continue to happen. I think the nice thing about Adam, you know, his, his the skills are off the charts. Um, so many of the Tampa relievers, it feels like their skills are off the charts, although they go back to guys like Ryan Thompson, whose skills are not off the charts. But, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen there? And it's really hard it's hard to have a reliever, especially in like a main or something like that, 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 you know, that you are really not sure how often they're going to pitch and they yeah. may get three strikeouts, two strikeouts in a given week. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And if you have a guy who's not fully closing, at least you want him throwing the, the eighth inning so he can kind of sneak in some wins in there. I mean, that's Seawald, someone like that. that doesn't pitch a nice pitch is the eighth. So at least you get, you get a win on Saturday. So you get you, the problem with Tampa guys is they might come in, in the fifth and you just have no, there's just, there's no, there's no way to get a win or a save. And that makes it really, really tough. Uh, last point I want to ask you about, since you're wearing the, the hat of my, uh, my home team, um, Danny Jimenez, who was a, a really good story the first six weeks or so, has really struggled lately. Um, AJ Puck has pitched well. I don't know if the A's want to uh, let him give saves and mess with his uh, free agent pricing and arbitration, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's who I would have close if I were them. I know they like him kind of in a multi-inning role. Uh, the A's were up three. They actually were winning a game, which is surprising enough in itself. Uh, they were up 8-5 uh, yesterday. Jimenez was actually warming up, so he's going to come in. They scored two runs. He still came in anyway, but he was the guy that was in the pen warming up, so he was going to come in for the save. Did you do any speculating here with the Jimenez struggles, kind of hoping for uh, A.J. Puck or Zach Jackson or someone like that, or you just kind of figure the A's aren't going to win enough games for it to, to work your energy? Yeah, believe it or not, I actually speculated on that bullpen last week and picked up Lou Trevino. <laughs> uh, I picked up Puck last week. Okay, yeah, I yeah, picked up so Lou I... Trevino. It, it did not work out well uh, this week. I think um, I think he gave up runs in both of his outings, including four runs in a third and inning. So he actually had looked great. I mean, 50% K rate Trevino had since he had come off the IL, um, which was very impressive. So I was kind of sucked in again and and... And hurt with Puck. I mean, it could definitely be him. I think I agree with you. I tend to think maybe a little bit too much about like the um, you know, the arbitration impact. But when I die when I dove into Puck last week, I was not super impressed with the skill. Like his swinging strike rate is 8.1%. Uh K rate is 18.6% over his last 10. It's been down. So um, and then the end zone contact rate is worse than league average as well. So I just wasn't just these aren't going to get a lot of opportunities. I don't think yeah. they're going to go there, but um, we'll see. Clear yeah, things have happened. He had a bunch of like multi strikeout games the first half of uh, you know this season so far, and then a lot of them last like ten outings he's had you know one or zero. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. It, the usage is weird. 
Um, I kind of went with the, uh, I'm going to grab him and for a week and see what happens. And then I'll figure I throw him back sort of thing. I did that with Dominic Leone last week too. Mm-hmm. Uh, threw four scoreless innings, but didn't really get any save offs for the Giants. So I threw him back too. So trying to find, uh, always trying to find that, uh, that guy in there. But uh... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's talk about hitters. We hit a bunch of pitchers. I felt there were some interesting hitters. I'm actually going to start with catcher, which I never, ever do. But I thought this was a, a weirdly interesting catcher week, which uh, we, especially the 15-teamer, catcher weeks always suck. Like, that's always terrible. But this week we had we had Gabriel Moreno in Toronto get called up. We had Cal Raleigh hit some home runs for the Mariners. We had Christian Bethencourt um, for the A's hitting everything hard, homered, and had a steal today. I don't know where the heck that came from. And interesting thing with Bethencourt, obviously the A's have Sean Murphy who plays most of their games, but Bethencourt's playing first base. He's DHing a little bit. He's he's in the lineup every day, which in the middle of the order too, which like that matters hugely in a 15 teamer. Just getting those at bats. Like I have I have Ryan Jeffers and he had like he had like nine at bats this week. And it's just so hard. You're like, yeah, you're like maybe he hits a home run, but it's just so hard to get you don't get any runs, you don't get any RBIs. Um, were you in on any of these catchers, guys? Did you need catchers? Did you like any of these three guys? Was there anybody else you liked? Uh, how are you feeling with the kind of the, the 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 rare interesting catcher market? Yeah, I did actually. I was in the market for catchers this week. I have Danny Jansen in in a few spots, and you so both. that one hurt. Yeah, that that one that one definitely hurt. I looked I looked at his his stats. He has fifty eight at bats, seven home runs, thirteen RBI, and I was like, man, this guy. Like, I, I actually ended up holding on to him. Um, this week and picking up uh, another catcher to kind of fill in. I liked all, I liked Bethencourt would have loved to have him available in any of my leagues, but he wasn't, I remember like a month, month and a half ago when he first started out and he played DH and 
I was interested, but I, I peaked earlier today and, um, 15 barrels, 16.3% yeah. barrel rate. He's now got the four home runs and the four steals. Like yeah, just four, really the, nice. The four steals are wild. Like I think he had, I think he had four steals in his career. Like that's between the KBO and the major. So he kind of got both those. Um, and four already it's, uh, who knows if that keeps up, but it's certainly intriguing from the catcher spot. Oh yeah. I mean, it's wonderful. I think the challenge was with all these guys, Raleigh had a big week, you know, Moreno and in, in the prospect type. And while he hasn't done anything too much of note, like there's always going to be bids there. So I was not aggressive enough. I actually ended up getting Carson Kelly in a couple leagues. Okay. Is um, he he's, back, he's back? back? He's okay. back from the IL. Um, I think he played his first game at some point recently. Um, but he's back and I'm waiting for, for fan graphs to load with when he got back, but I picked him up. He, I know, uh, I know he played, I know he played today. So that means he's back. Yeah. Yeah. He played today. Exactly. So I picked him up in one league and then in the other league, I got Victor Caratini was available. He's been, and uh, he's with, been playing a bunch of Milwaukee and I was someone that like when he was in Chicago is one of those guys, like if Contreras ever got hurt, like Caratini was an interesting name. I think he can hit a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I picked him up and we'll see, we'll see what ends up, uh, what's ha- what ends up happening there, but I'm planning to just kind of go through catchers as, as, as necessary until Jansen yeah. back, hopefully shortly after the all-star break. Uh, uh, Carson Kelly's at 098. Now does that fire you up? Uh, it does fire me up. That means <laughs> that regression, the positive regression is right. coming, which means for him, like, you know, he'll get up to his two twenty career average or whatever it is at this point <laughs> he has uh he has one extra base hit in 66 plate appearances which is odd because i mean you say what you want about him. he had 13 home runs last year at 18 and 2019 like he's had a he's had some decent years where he hits the ball a little bit but it's uh it was rough going maybe uh maybe some health and uh some uh, some rest maybe we'll see uh, the old school carson kelly a little bit yeah let's i i, I certainly hope so <laughs> i mean we're not every, you're talking about cal raleigh having a big week but he's still hitting i think he's still hitting around 200 also or not even 168 yeah, yeah so it's uh it's rough i mean the, that second catcher spot is tough and i mean that was the jansen problems like he's in that lineup he's hitting well like it's great let's just roll with that i actually um, i dropped jansen when he first got hurt and picked him back up and then it was nice again and then uh, I, I actually dropped him today i just couldn't couldn't see myself holding the third catcher uh i might regret that though if it's the second half if jansen's good i'll probably end up regretting that one yeah it, it is it's so tough um i don't know what the right answer was but the more i thought about it the more i looked at the wire and what was available i i needed to i i wanted to hold on to him and see what i could do so we have a we have a question in the chat uh someone's saying that yuan Moncada is on the way everywhere someone we talked about a little bit last week uh would you pick him up toby if you were in a uh let's call it a let's call it a 12 teamer because that's kind of the standard usually yeah i i wouldn't i don't think i mean the challenge for me for Mankata generally is just like, what, what does he do anymore? You know, like there's not really any carrying trait that he has. Like he was, he wasn't like off my board, but um, just wasn't, you know, he doesn't really steal anymore. He doesn't really hit for power anymore. The batting average was, was Babip and and he showed an ability to have a really high Babip early on in his career. But it's interesting ever since he had COVID, um, uh, he just has crazy. not, yeah. he has not been able to regain, uh, that level of performance. And at this point, like a lot of those guys who in 2020, we were like, ah, uh, they fell off. I mean, I'm, I may be having confirmation bias here because we're talking about Mankata, but a lot of those guys just have never really 
gotten back to the same level. Yelich, Bellinger, like a lot of those guys. I mean, they've been doing better than Moncada, but they haven't really fully regained, you know, what they had before that. Yeah, I mean, Moncada was someone that I really liked, and he was like progressing, and like everything was getting better. His hard hit was going up, barrels were going up, and then the COVID thing happened, and maybe he was just a 2019 happy fun ball benefactor with the 25 home runs. Maybe he just doesn't have that much pop. He seems like when he gets one, he really gets it. But I mean, you're looking at a guy that has two home runs and no steals, and I just don't know how you. Granted, it's only 90 plate appearances or 90 at bats, but I just don't know how you play that every week. And it's a it's a corner infield spot, like. There are guys that can pick up in the waiver wire that that get that that, that smoke him, and it's just uh, I just I think he's a name brand right now that uh, that I just want no part of. Yeah, it's interesting. You go back to that trade when the Red Sox traded him and they kept Devers. That was a that was a brilliant move on yeah. the Red Sox front office's uh, part. Yeah, no doubt because that was a huge name when they, when they traded him. Um, someone that Chaz asking if they were okay to drop Whit Merrifield. Um, I would not have dropped Whit Merrifield yet, but I I do get it. Um, but you look at his numbers and kind of everything is the same as it was last year, except for the Babbitt's really low. It's 251. Uh, so he's hitting 229. You know, hard contact was never his thing. Um, he doesn't, he's striking out even less, uh, walks never his things. I just don't think I could drop a guy um, that has that level of stolen base upside. I did not want him in drafts. I, he was, when we talked about fades at the start of the year, I thought his draft price was too high for what he does. And you're, you like needed 40 steals to, for that to work. Um, but I don't think I could drop him at this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's just a, it's Babbitt related. Even look at the quality of contact metrics. He already has 10 barrels so far this year, uh, 4.8% barrel rate, which would mark his second highest barrel rate. He's got 10 barrels and only three home runs so far. So um, yeah, I think he's been a little bit unlucky and you can't really replace that speed easily though. Like I could see in a shallower league, like a 10 team league or yeah. something like that, where speed is a little bit more readily available and, and not getting the power um, or the RBI with Merrifield hurts you a little bit more. You just you just pick up my dude John Birdie and you're fine in steals. There's no problem. Oh, John Birdie, I got I picked him up Beast. last last week. Beast. He's the reason my OC is doing is has uh, yeah. jumped up about 150 spots with all. The, what does he have? Like four steals last week? Or yeah, he had four steals, like steals last week. Every time he gets a steal, of Vlad Sather texts me, put it in a birdie bag. So I, I look forward to the steals because I get to, I get lots of bad puns from Vlad on the steals. So yeah, John Birdie's been been really good for us. Um, let's see. Um, in Minnesota, there is a guy they have who is a, a big prospect in Alex Kirilov, who is absolutely crushing the minor leagues right now. He had three home runs over the weekend. Um, you have to figure out the call up is eminent. You know, he had the wrist injury. They sent him back down. He was struggling. Kind of get that right. It's right. The problem is Minnesota doesn't really have a spot right now. Like if they want to send Miranda back down, but he seems like he got a little bit hot recently. So he kind of, maybe he staved that off. Um, obviously Royce Lewis is, is done for the year, which is, which was horrible, but it seems like they need a spot. I mean, Trevor Larnick was pretty good. It was, it was tight. It was quiet this week, but uh, were you in any Alex Kirilov stashes, like hoping that maybe this, uh, this is going to, he's going to kick the door down and make the twins call him up. I was not, he was not available in any of my 15 teamers. I think he might have been available in my in a 12, but it's hard to stash a guy like that where you feel like even if he you know if he if he plays to his projections, he's worse than a league average player in a 12 team league. And then if he plays above them, like there's not really any skill that he possesses that differentiates him. Like he's not going to steal a lot of bases. Yeah. The power is okay. The batting average could be good. You know, that maybe that's one of them, but I wasn't really interested. 15 teamers, most definitely I would have been, but um, yeah. he wasn't available for me. 
Yeah, I was a little bit, you know, prospect pedigree. He was a 15th overall pick. He was a, he was a first-round guy. I do like the batting average, uh, the stuff he showed in the minors, but that's back in 2018. Um, I picked him up last week in one of my, my 15-teamers. I had a drop, and I just kind of like, let's see what happens here. I held him for another week. Um, I don't think my patience will be super long with him, but if he gets called up, uh, you know, maybe he can run to a hot streak there. But uh, I do like the bat, but I think I agree with you. In a 12-teamer, it's probably not worth uh, worth stashing. Uh, did you do anything with Bryson Stott this week? Uh, the, the Phillies prospect that uh, was horrible when he first got called up, went back down, has come back up and been pretty good. And he had three home runs this week. Uh, he was 83% rostered in the main event, uh, only 70% in 12s. Uh, do you think he's uh, playable at 12? Do you think he's only a 15 kind of guy? Where'd you fall on Stott this week? Yeah, I think he's probably, I mean, this week may be a little bit different just because the Phillies have, I think, the eight games. Yeah. And- they're playing against the Nationals, I want to say, and anytime you do that, um, you want to uh, you want to have them in your lineup. But I'm not I'm not super impressed. I know he has the four home runs. Those four home runs are on three barrels. The quality of contact is low, four percent barrel rate. His max exit velocity on seventy after seventy five batted ball events is one hundred four point six. I call that the Kevin Biggio. <laughs> Uh, max exit velo. Which two years, like, two years ago, that'd been a beautiful comp, but not so much. Anymore. I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I have a, I have a little joke with uh, Brian Slack, who I share a team with about uh, Kevin Biggio and his lack of exit velocity. So that certainly applies to Stott as well. Like his hard hit rate on um, Fangraphs is only twenty one point three percent. His hard hit rate on on Statcast is twenty two point seven percent. Uh, I just am not really seeing a guy who, um, who can, who can turn it on, but I've been wrong many times before. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. I did the same kind of practice you did. I looked at all that contact stuff and I was like, you know what? I think he just kind of ran into a couple and I, I was not in on him, uh, very readily also. Uh, what about the third baseman? Uh, Jake Berger had a good week this week. Uh, he hits the ball pretty hard. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Duran in, in Texas playing most days. Or were you in on either of those uh, those third basemen this week? Yeah, I I bid on Burger in a couple places, like uh, I think about thirteen bucks. I mean, you know, right now he's just on on a pretty nice little heater, but he does have the uh, fourteen barrels, sixteen point one percent barrel rate. He's got the really nice max EV close to one fifteen, but he's also got the three forty six BABIP that is obscuring his thirty percent K rate. So I think it'll come down, but. You just try to pick up guys like this when they're on a run. Hope you get some good matchups. They have Detroit this week. So um, who knows what will happen there. Duran surprisingly was not available, um, I think, in any of my 15-teamers. I have way too sharp of people um, in my leagues at this point. But he's really he's interesting to me. Yeah, One I thing like that him. I do I do a lot of times with um, prospects is I'll just look at what they're projections are and a lot of the projection systems have him over the course of a full year 600 plate appearances as a 16 homer 12 steel guy with a decent batting average and so that's the median projection he can always outperform that um so it's a really nice balanced profile i like it a lot do you have a certain uh projection model is like your go-to for the that kind of thing uh whenever i can the bat x for hitters um and then i generally like in season we'll look at the bat um for Pitchers, I think Steamer is a little off on the prospects. Um, If you look at them, they're always much higher than the other systems so far. And I think um, the research that I've seen shows that they they have been over-projecting rookies. I think most rookies outside of Julio Rodriguez, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple other ones, have really struggled. So 
Yeah, I I tend to look at the bat generally, but I'll compare the systems and see kind of what they're looking for. Julio Rodriguez is insane, by the way. Oh, I know. Wow. I, I was in a league my last draft of the season. He got picked with the first pick of the fourth round. And I was just like, I cannot believe that. That's unbelievable. Talk about hype. And now look at him. How many steals does he have? Like 17. Some, 17 steals. Like, I didn't even know he was he was fast. I like <laughs> right? I, I knew he was projected for like 10 steals or something like yeah. that. Like unbelievable. Yeah, now he's starting to hit for average and power. It's funny, my uh my main event that's doing well uh was the la- the day before the night before the season. So it was like the hype was fully on. Mm. Everybody knew he was making the roster and he went in the like late seventh round in that one. It just wow. and I I had picked 12 and he went 7.11. And it was one of those ones where like five picks away i'm like i'm not even gonna look at the screen because i don't want to see his name pop up and i was like oh my god he made it to three four two and then he went so that was one of the like if i had him on that team like we could be we could be really talking about something right there because that would be mm. that would have been a huge uh huge score kind of as late as he went at that as that time of the year and uh those are uh, those 19 steals i'm looking to see i took jose altuve there so it probably has worked out it's been okay um altuve has been pretty good so that's it's not like i you know took someone really bad in that pick but boy that would have been a fun guy to have uh, on that mm. team right now um, any other hitters that, uh, that you are after this week that maybe we haven't talked to us, anybody that, uh, you kind of liked, uh, you know, just for a week or was hot or, uh, you, you like play as a long-term kind of stash play, uh, anything else on offense and your, maybe say your 15 teamers that maybe I'm missing that you like this week. Yeah. I picked up Diego Castillo of the pirates. Ah, um, the other Diego places. Castillo, the right. other Diego yeah. Castillo. Um, he's played every day. I think in the last like eight or nine games, there's a few lefties that are coming up. Um, they have four games over three days against the Cardinals, which isn't like the best team to line up against, but there's, I think three lefties in there. I want to say, um, they got, yeah, Thompson, uh, Libra tour. So just the two lefties, but, um, that's nice. He's going to play either way, but he, I think he's been hitting fifth or something like that. Okay. Um, I went after Diego Castillo. I got Robbie Grossman amazingly in one league. That's, uh, a- uh, that's funny. I picked up Robbie Grossman in a main event also. Oh yeah, this how was much, in a, how much did you pay? Seventeen bucks. Uh, I went for twenty six, and the backup was four, so I kind of felt uh, silly. And I don't love Grossman, but like the guy was really good last year, and I figured it was worth a shot in a fifteen teamer. Like maybe see if he could find that for a couple weeks here, and you know if he, if it's bad again, I can get rid of him. But I, I kind of like that price. Uh, weirdly enough, I kind of felt uh, kind of felt disgusting doing it, but uh, I think it's uh, someone you can take a shot on. It was really good last year. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes with these injuries, like maybe Grossman was playing injured or something was bothering him earlier yeah. this year that was causing him to struggle. And then having that time to get away and to recuperate can sometimes, you know, help a guy out. At least that's what I'm hoping for since, since I have him. Right. Um, the other main target I had was Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, he was available in a lot of my 15 teamers surprised that it actually wasn't super competitive. Um, I think I got him for like 16 bucks in three places, something like that in my 15 teamers, except in one league. And I, I told Brian that I was going to mention this on the podcast. One league we did, we did go 64 uh, for him with a backup of 15. That was the league I share uh, with Brian Slack, go big or go home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Dahlbeck, he's played like the last um, eight games. I think uh, Franchi Cordero has really fallen off. It seems like Dahlbeck's taking it over. Before the season, if you had said Bobby Dahlbeck is going to have a 27% strikeout rate this year, you would have been jumping for joy. 
Um, and it just hasn't worked out for him yet, but he's getting in a groove. We've seen what he can do. He hit three home runs, I think, this last week, but it was a little obscured, I think, because they were all solo shots. So he didn't have that huge game that really, like, you know, right. gets headlines. Um, so I'm really hoping that Dahlbeck can kind of take that next step and and bring some of the power that I'm missing um, on some of my teams. So let's let's hope that happens. I uh, I dropped him a couple weeks ago. I just finally had to do it, and I think that I'm going to end up regretting that one. I, I dropped him last week too. I had one league where I dropped him last week and picked him up this week. So I just uh, it, I I, it was it was two weeks ago, and it was at the point where he was playing like two out of six games. It was more of a playing time thing for me. Like I looked at the strikeout rate too. I'm like, well, if he just strikes out this amount, I think he can be fine. But the playing time wasn't there, and that was the biggest concern to me. Is like it was so hard to play him when he was starting. You know, two out of five, two out of six. So. uh I dropped him. I think I'm going to end up regretting it. I think he's going to, I think he's going to be uh, rosterable in the 15 at the, at the very least. Yeah, that was my exact same. Um, that's why I dropped him in, in, in the league that I had him. And, um, and it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Just like one week can make that much of a difference yep. where you go from playing two times a week to playing, you know, every single game in a given week. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I mean, it's why this is so hard and such a fun, uh, hobby slash side uh, side job that we do here. It's just uh, if it was easy, everybody would do it, and if it was easy, it wouldn't be nearly as fun. It's uh, it's really damn challenging. These fifteen teamers are they're so fun because they're so tough. Yeah, I, I love the fifteen teamers. It is it I is do. a challenge every week. Yeah, I much I much prefer the fifteen teamers. Uh, I think there's enough in Fab where you can make moves, but uh, enough where if you make a mistake, it, it really does hurt you because you in a twelve team you can kind of fix those pretty easily. Um, I think the fifteen team format's just great. So on that note, let's talk about uh, a few guys uh, before we get out of here that we were wrong about. Uh, every podcast I listen to, everybody wants to talk about what they're right about. Um, I like to kind of get into, you know, what, what you're wrong about, what you've struggled with. Um, you know, it's only been two months, so, you know, maybe you may end up being right about these guys end of year. But uh, I think it's always good to kind of look at your process. You know, why did you why did you make a mistake? So why What did you miss on this? Because I think that makes at least makes me better the next year. Right? There's a lot of things that uh, that I do and I, I look at them like, well, you know, I just read that wrong or I, I overplayed that stat or I, I relied on that too much. Um, let's start with you. Cause it's someone that I have in my, uh, my main event that, uh, is not the one up top, but the one's doing okay. Uh, Aaron judge is, uh, is having a monster year already. He's at 313, 24 home runs, 48 RBIs, 50 runs. Um, all the hard hit metrics are bonkers. He's a 62% hard hit rate. 27% barrel is uh, that double play. Um, where were you on judge? I know you, when we mentioned him when you were starting, you said it was someone you weren't drafting. Were you fully off? Was it just the price that was involved or were you a bit injury? Like what was, uh, what was it that kept you uh, away from judges here? Yeah, I think it's, it's mostly just the judge profile is something that early on and earlier in, ra- in in drafts, I, I don't like to go after the kind of power bat where I don't feel like I can rely on the batting average or speed, okay. uh, especially the way with I, that I build teams going pitching up top, generally speaking, even more so this year than in previous years. So, you know, the, the challenge is, is that all the projection systems love them. And I love project my projection systems. Like that's, you know, it's not how I do my drafts. Like I always dig in deeper on a guy, but that will definitely catch my, um, attention and steamer absolutely loved judge. He was like a top 15 overall player, um, in steamer. And I kind of ignored that and went the other direction and, and he's just been incredible. And, and me and Bubba, um, who I share a, a podcast with, we joke around that, you know, ever since judge and Stanton started doing yoga, it's the <laughs> yoga narrative for judge and Stanton, like no injuries whatsoever. Once they started doing yoga. So I should have known 
that's, that the yoga narrative would continue in Gone with the Jets. That's really funny. I have a I have a thread that goes all year long with uh, with Rob Silver and Matt Modica and Vlad Sedler. And every time Judge Zomer, there's a yoga comment that goes on at some point. So you guys are not the only ones. Though. That's really funny that that uh, that is not just. I figured that was just us that uh, that <laughs> talked about his yoga. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. I can't take too much credit for my Judge pick because it was one of those ones that was like a fall in your lap. Like there's no way I can't take him here. I like Judge. I got him at pick sixty in the in the Vegas main event. Uh, so uh, I was at the I was at the turn. So I went you know two three. And then that was the four or five turn. And I'm just kind of looking at like he just kept going, kept going. I was like I, I was like he's gonna get taken. It's one of those ones like I'm not even gonna look at him because it's gonna go four picks from now. And got all the way to me. I already had three hitters, but it was one of those ones like I just there's no way I can't do it right here. So um, he's been awesome. He's been huge for me. Uh, Tiosco is one of my first two hit my first two hitters. So that uh, he's picked up uh, the slack there nicely. But uh, so I can't take too much credit. It was kind of an easy, obvious pick. Uh, you know, kind of a little bit like your Buxton one. Like there was no yeah. way you couldn't take that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's been awesome. I just hope it's all on health, and that's it's always with those guys. But um, yeah, dude's been unbelievable. So far. Yeah. I mean, he's got a hundred combined runs in RBI already. It's great. It's it's not. It's and it's just every day. It's like it's a, if he doesn't homer once, he homers twice. It's uh, it's uh, you know Matt's got the uh, Matt's got the the point break uh, gift ready for for Judge. It feels like every night. But uh, um, one of my guys, since you mentioned someone that uh, has been great that you weren't high on, um, Shane McClanahan's been a big miss for me. Um, it's funny because he had his debut last year against the A's, and I watched this guy. I'm like, holy crap, this dude's unbelievable. Like, the stuff, he's throwing 98 with tail on it. I'm like, this dude's nasty. Like, the eye test, I wish I had trusted that. I'm mean, like, I got a little bit sucked into, like, how much hard contact he up last year. And I, I, that's probably a it's probably a spot where I rely on too much. I missed on Shane Bieber a couple of years ago because I was like, he just gives up so much hard contact. And I, I realized that, you know, especially with the guys his first year, like I just don't think that that's uh, sticky enough over one year. Maybe I'm, I'm overplaying that a little bit, but he's been awesome so far. 1.87 ERA in 72 innings. Um, strikeout rates up 8%. Walk rates down three two and a half percent And that hard hit rate, which I was worried about, is at 45%. Now it's at 33.5%. Bail rate, what I was worried about, 10.7% is down to 7.3%. You know, I just thought his fastball was, was was really hittable when I looked at the numbers, and it just it hasn't been at all. But you know, fastball in twenty twenty one five seventy three x slug, uh, whiff rate was under twenty percent. Now it's like twenty nine percent. I just missed on this one. I, I I dug deep, and I just dug deep for the wrong stuff. I think, but uh, yeah, taking Trevor Rogers in that Shane McClanahan range is uh, is something that's really really hurt me. Mm. Yeah, I mean McClanahan. If it makes you feel any better, I have zero McClanahan this year, and I. I had him. He, I very rarely bid, bid high bids in Fab, um, and I bid over two hundred fifty for McClanahan in a couple spots last year, and was really pleased with having him throughout the whole year. But yeah, I was worried about the innings. You know, he'd gone from throwing so few innings to last year, um, where he just had a massive jump in the innings, and so I was concerned about that and um and and the batted ball quality like having had him on the team last year he was a he was great to have as a free agent pickup but it was also maddening because he'd go up against the orioles and then just get babbipped around you know and like just it couldn't really pull it all together like he has this year and it's just been you know he's he's unreal uh he's just been unreal this year how are you with like hard contact and barrels with pitchers do you uh how like how strongly do you play into that does it have to be like multi-year you see kind of the consistently having trouble with that is it something that uh you know did that did that worry you on mcclanahan because i feel like i i feel like i miss on those sometimes and i i over worry about that yeah i don't i don't generally but there are times when i'm concerned like i remember 
two years ago with Max Scherzer in the shortened season. He got hit around uh, really, really well. And like Babbitt was high, but he was also giving up home runs. You have the age factor in. And so I was off of him and he had an an absolutely fantastic season. So um, it feels like I still haven't learned my lesson that, that I, that I shouldn't focus as much on that, but I think it is really hard, especially when you have a guy on your team and you experience that, like, I feel like it's something that sticks with you. So, um, you know, we're always trying to get better. And if, if, if they did get hit really hard the next year, then you'd be like, well, I saw it happening. So, and it's funny because that, that happened when with Robbie Ray, like that 2017 season, he was so good. And I'm like, it just can't work with how much hard contact. And you take that plus the walks. And I, you know, McClanahan didn't have a ton of walks last year. It was okay. But, and then it worked really well with Robbie Ray for like three years. He was, he was terrible. So I, I say it's, it worked there. And obviously last year he won the Cy Young and he, but he changed a lot of stuff. I think, uh, you know, that was different there, but it kept me off Robbie Ray for three years. So it worked sometimes, but um, clearly McClanahan was a pretty big miss because uh, he's probably the Cy Young favorite at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about uh, another pitcher. Joe Musgrove has been really, really Joey. good so far. For San Diego, uh, ERA one a buck and a half, a uh, whip of point nine three um, was not a target for you. Uh, what uh, what were you seeing there, and uh, what are you kind of seeing now? Yeah, you know, with Musgrove, I've always been a really big fan. Like in my dynasty leagues, I've have him. I've had him for a number of years. Love the repertoire. I mean, the fastball or the sinker have never been great pitches, but he's always had you know three three breaking or off speed pitches that he could go to. Towards the end of last year, I'm a rolling average graphs guy. So okay. uh, on fan graphs, I'll go in rolling average graphs. For starting pitchers, I like to look at like last 15, last 10, get like a broader sample. And towards the end of last year, he really faded down the stretch. The strikeout rate, I, I think I'm remembering this correctly, dropped. You know, the overall metrics, he just didn't look as good. And so I was worried about, you know, that continuing into this year. He got really lucky early, ha- the first half of the season. And so I just didn't feel like going where he was going in drafts that it was um, that it was necessarily worth it. And also like that range in drafts is a tough one for me. Like in my drafts, for instance, in the one we talked about that I'm in with Jeff, I started off Garrett Cole, Rizal Iglesias, uh, Zach Wheeler, Byron Buxton, and Dylan C. So I had four pitchers in my first five. So you're, I not, you're not taking anyone in, his, in that next rate. Yeah, okay. exactly. But at the same time, I was, I was definitely off of him. Like I was saying, like, I'm not going to get any Joe Musgrove. And what I should have been paying attention to was the velocity. The velocity was up um, second half of last year. Actually, I haven't even looked to see if it's up this year, but I think anytime a guy has like a velocity increase towards the end of a season, I'm always, I guess the below down a little bit this year. Um, but like towards the end of last year, he had a little bit of a velo uptick. And so oftentimes I'm like, so focused on the skills. Like I forget that the general premise is the thing that changes a guy's talent level is velocity and pitch mix changes. And if you, if you see a change in skills and you don't necessarily see a change in one of those things, chances are, it's just a, a, a run of bad luck or he, he had, he faced some tough matchups, whatever it is. And over the longer term, it will even out. And I think I kind of forgot that with him in that instance and focused a little bit too much on the short-term skill instead of kind of everything that he had going for him um, with both the pitch mix and, and the team, you know, being on the Padres, being on a good team. I think that's something that you have to factor in more and more with wins being so vital. It's funny. You mentioned, you mentioned Wheeler was your accountant. You talk talking about guys. Uh, he's just among the elite now, right? Like he's just, oh. he's just unbelievably good. And there's no, like, it's so funny for a guy that was like so dead in the water with innings and injury concerns. Like 
he's just a horse right now. Like he's just so damn good. It, it's painful actually, because he was, he was, I had him up there. Like I would, I, I would have taken him back half. Of, I did take him in DCs at the back half of the first round. Oh, wow, really right. wanted him. And then he had the shoulder issue early That's right. on. That's right. yeah, yeah. And so I was, ac- I actually, the only reason why I ended up getting Wheeler in my main event and I'd be doomed if I didn't was because, um, everybody that I wanted didn't fall to me there. Um, you know, story didn't fall to me at 32. Uh, Tim Anderson didn't fall. Uh, Iglesias went. I was expecting to get him at 32. Um, you, took hoping- him at, you took him at 29. I, right? I took him yeah. at 29. Yeah. And and so I really got lucky still to get him. I have him on a bunch of DCs, Wheeler. But man, I, I have no problem drafting him in the first round next year, yeah. assuming like health and everything like that. He just is incredibly good. I have a lot more faith than him. Pretty much every pitcher, including Garrett Cole, on my on my rosters at this point. I was gonna say, would you take Cole two again if you uh, had to draft again? Um, because I think I would. I don't. I think I'd still. He's still so good. Yeah, I probably would. Um, I, yeah, I think I would. I mean, like Burns is really good too, yeah. and I think you know the one thing that I feel like I have a better hold on now is just the difference in kind of the leagues and the opponents that guys are going against. Although Cole's had like a pretty decent run against some pretty bad opposition, um, which he really dominated. So I think the thing for Cole though, the volume, the strikeouts, they're huge. The wins on the Yankees. Those are things that are really hard to replicate. So I still think I I probably would, um, but I don't think he's going to go as high next year unless, you know, things, kind of change. So I'll, I'll just draft him middle of the first round. Yeah. Time. I was going to say, yeah, if you take him eight, that would, that would work really well. But yeah, you went, you know, we either three bucks and four. That's uh that probably didn't happen on many teams. Yeah. That's yeah. I know it was, it was, uh, I really lucked out with Wheeler. It's been a real pleasure having him on, on my teams. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to stick with pitching just cause I, I enjoyed talking to you about pitching cause you're really good with this stuff. Um, Tariq Scooball was a guy that I looked at uh, pretty closely in draft season. I talked about it on podcast as someone that was a pretty big fade for me. I just didn't see it. I didn't like what I saw when I looked deeper. Um, you know, he had not been good in his uh, his first two seasons. You know, the area last year was 4-3-4. Whip was 1-2-6. Um, again, it's a guy that I've really worried about the, uh, the the sort of contact he was giving up. You look at his uh, his barrel rate last year was 14%. Like, it's a, it was absurdly high. Um, his fastball just got crushed at all times. And I just didn't think he could – he could pitch with that fastball and be successful the way he was pitching, you know, hard hit race 45% last year. Um, he shut me up pretty good, although he got smoked today, which helps my case a little bit, but still ERA is two, seven, one uh, strikeout rates up to 27.7% walk rates way down to 4%. He's not walking anybody anymore. Uh, swing strike rates up a little bit. Uh, where were you on school to start the year? Do you think this is going to keep up? Uh, how would you kind of project him the last three and a half months here? Yeah, I was with you, Scott. I was oh, nice. totally, I totally it. off of Scooble. I remember doing the analysis of him and just looking at the pitch mix and not seeing yep. how he could do it because the four seamer was so bad, so but the bad. sinker, the sinker had such a low swinging strike rate and it was such an ineffective pitch as well that I just couldn't see him doing it. I mean, I'm guessing I, I, uh, I did not get to watch a lot um, of baseball today, but I'm guessing he gave up maybe some home runs today. Is that what happened? Because uh, I know he gave up uh, seven hits and four runs, but as you're talking, okay. About, oh, just just one home run. He, okay. he his home run per fly ball is five point two percent so far this year. Yeah, so I mean, there's no way that's that's not sticking. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not necessarily going to stick. 
I mean, the things that I do like, like 12.2% swinging strike rate, the O swing, the walks you mentioned, 35.4%. What's interesting is the Z contact is actually worse than previous years, 85.5, which I'm guessing is because he's throwing the sinker now more than the, um, than the slider. Uh, yeah, I mean, the home runs are low. The walks seem, you know, abnormally low as well. That 4% is like an elite, elite, elite rate. So I see, I think that goes up a little bit. I think the home runs per mile nine go up a little bit, but he still seems like a really good pitcher. Um, you know, and so I, I must've just missed it. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. And the velo is not up. Like there is a pitch mix change where he's throwing, I think the slider more. Yeah. He's throwing, um, he threw 43% fastballs this year. And he's at 28% or last year. And he's at 28% this year. So he's throwing that pitch a lot less. And I think you guys aren't sitting, like you guys were sitting on it last year. I mean, his slugging percentage on his, Forcing fastball, he was six eleven. Like he just got crushed. Mm. It's three twenty seven right now. So obviously he's doing something right. Throwing it less, it's working. His sliders from twenty three percent now it's thirty percent. You know, but still it's a twenty three percent whiff rate pitch. Like it's just, I still don't really see it as I look at him more. Like I wouldn't take him that much higher right now than I would have uh, two months ago. Maybe I'm just being stubborn, but uh, I still think that we're going to see some hiccups and some some rocky performance from school before we're done here. Yeah, the changeup is actually like looks like the thing that's taken the real step forward. Um, his changeup has a twenty-seven point seven percent swinging strike rate, forty-two point seven percent O swing. Yeah, I, I, that's a remarkable change. I don't know what he did differently, but yeah, I'm. Uh, that's one I'm not quite waving the I was wrong flag on quite yet. Uh, whereas uh, with with McClanahan, I pretty much fully am, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm still holding out hope that uh, I might not be dead wrong on school, but certainly have been um, so far. But uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about a couple of hitters. Uh, you mentioned Avisail Garcia as someone that uh, I assume you really, really liked and have been disappointed by. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking the other day, I, you know, you know, like uh, this always happens to me where you have your guys like Avisail Garcia, like generally, like I, I sat him last weekend against the, Astros, I think, when he was away at the Astros, but you generally have them in your lineup. Right. And you sometimes you forget to like look at how bad they've been. Dude, I, we and talked like, about that a couple weeks ago. I am the worst at that. Like, if I'm like, uh, I draft this guy for a reason, I'm just going to leave him in. And I look and I'm like, oh, he's hitting 190 for me and 200 at bat. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, and every year I'm like, I will never do this yep. again. And then like, you're like, what am I going to do? Take him out of my lineup? Like, who's right. better? Yeah. But man, he's got, he's got two, almost 200 plate appearances. 17 runs, Oof. 14 RBI. He's got three home runs and three steals, which are which are fine. But like, I just saw him as, I just thought the contact rate's way down for him this year. God, yep. so ugly. Um, He's striking, yeah, out, like, striking out a career high by a pretty good amount. Yeah, like every everything is down. It's interesting. I wonder what is going on, but... I mean, I saw him and I was just like, this is perfect. We've always wanted Avisail Garcia to have playing time. And now yeah. he's going to play every single day. The projections liked him. He's got a sneaky high batting average regularly. Um, he hits for power. He's got really nice quality of contact metrics. He steals bases. I was like, lock it in 2010, 260 plus batting average. I wanted him everywhere. And he was actually one of those guys where... I only ended up with him in one of my big leagues because he was just that guy who, you know, always goes a little bit before right. you're ready to take him. And the only time I got him was when I really jumped him up. I think I got him in like the 130s just because I was like, I need at least one Avisail Garcia share. And it's just a reminder, like, you know, your guys have their values and you just got to stick with it. So 
I mean, I still expect him to have a much better summer. I think he'll be fine moving forward, but it's really hard to recover from being this bad for a third of the season. So Javier Baez has the second or swinging strike rate in all of baseball. Do you know who number one is? Avisel Garcia. Avisel Garcia. I would never have used 22% more than more than Baez. Uh, Chris Taylor's third. I, w- I wouldn't have guessed that either. Wow. And then Adolis Garcia. So clearly Garcia's have not worked well. And then Cole Calhoun, <laughs> two Texas guys in the top five, but Garcia, ahead, I mean, 22%. I mean, that's, that's wild. It's uh and it's, I mean, usually he swings and misses a bunch. I mean, he's like a, usually like a 17% guy, but 22% is massive. And he's someone that I, I kind of always thought was like, oh, it's just easy to toss him in there. He'll be fine no matter what. And it's just, it's not been that way at all. No, it's been, it's been, it's been incredibly painful. So are you, are you continuing to start him, Toby? Uh, not this week because he's got the hand injury. Okay, um, that's right, so, that's right. yeah. so I had to find a replacement for him, but yeah, he's still, he would, he would still be in there. Um, you know, I mean, like you just, the thing is the waiver wire, it's a dime a dozen. You yeah. know, it's very rare that you can actually get a difference maker. And so even when you look at Avisale for the rest of the season, the projection has him at 12 home runs, six steals. So I was not hoping for 18 and nine, you know, I was hoping for the higher side of that, but that's not right. going to hurt me as long as that batting average evens out. So hopefully as the weather warms, um, as the pitching gets worse, uh, he will get better and be successful. So, so you are, you're not yeah. quite waving the, I was wrong flag on that one yet either. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm waving the flag or not, but like, I, he's not going to be as good as I thought he was yeah. going to be. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, a hitter that falls in there for me is, is Joe Adele. I, I think I just talked myself into him like the last two weeks of spring training, um, I felt really good about myself. I took him in like the 15th round in Vegas. I was like, this can be a difference maker. He was like, I think he was stealing a couple bases in spring training. And I was like, oh, maybe I just, I think I just talked myself into him, which is a terrible thing to do at some point where you just kind of get away from what you're normally looking at. Um, what do you feel about Adele kind of going for him? This is a guy that's a huge, huge prospect. I mean, he might've even been a top five prospect at once, but I think he, I think he was, if he wasn't even number one, um, he just, the swing and miss is just, I think it's just at the point it's just killing me. He's 34% swing and miss and uh, strikeout rate in the, in the majors, but he's 32% in the minors. So it's not like he's going down in the minors. He's hitting some home runs, but it's not like he's going down there just killing pitching. He hit 222 in his 88 plate appearance at AAA. So he wasn't very good there either. He got called back up uh, this week when Taylor Ward won the deal and they sent him back. They sent him packing uh, this weekend. Um, do you think he needs a change of scenery? Do you think there's just swing and miss is too much? Do you think that we are going to ever see a, a stud star Joe Adele. Cause I, uh, I kind of don't think we're going to. Yeah. I, I've never been a big Adele fan. Um, just because I think those guys who, even when they're in the minor leagues, um, they strike out at a decent clip that always worries me just because yeah. it's always going to be worse always moving yeah. up. I mean, you can see it. And I mean, when you look at what he's done so far, I mean, it's not great, but it's not awful. He's hitting two fifty two despite that huge strikeout rate with that, with the high Babbitt, but he makes decent quality of contact. So there's always the possibility. I think what concerns me most is just the angels approach to him though, where like, even when they brought him up, I mean, it was Joe Madden who's no longer there. Thank, thank goodness. But like, but, um, but the way he was like, he's only going to be up for 10 days. As soon as Ward comes back, he's going to be replaced and how much more confidence they had in Ward than they had in him. That, I mean, that just kind that of, makes a guy like every at bat he thinks he has to homer, right? Like it's just like I gotta prove myself now, and it's just you can't play that way. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm not I'm not a, a fan. I think 
I think it's also really tough. Like spring training for hitters is really challenging. I think to really figure out who's real and who's not. Cause I know he had a really good spring, but then you look at those like equivalencies where it's like, Oh, he was going up against double a pitching or, you know, whatever, like you just never know who they're going up against in there, which I think is one of the traps of spring training a little bit. Yeah. I was just, uh, it was just a miss. And I just, uh, you know, I think I talked myself into him as a 15th rounder. So like, it's not going to kill you and you, you can be fine there. You see the Joe Madden story today, by the way, but is he getting a Mohawk? Is that, apparently, is that he, apparently he got a Mohawk on the morning, like to try and break the losing streak, and then he got fired. So the team never ended up actually seeing it. <laughs> he just, he walked in there like you're out, you're done. Yeah. I guess they, yeah, he must've like, you know, come and see, uh, come in and see the, the GM or whatever. They fired him. So they, the team never actually saw his, uh, his motivational ploy, but uh, it, it's unbelievable that that guy got a reputation as being like a smart, manager i mean he won a, he won a world series so yeah. you know i felt ama- like that's that's amazing but oh my gosh the way he managed a team was just horrendous. i felt like, like he was one thing. of those he was one of those like i'm going to show you i'm the smartest guy in the room as many times as possible just to do it and i uh yeah i was not not a fan of myself either um two more questions before i let you get out of here uh walker bueller uh obviously a really serious injury they won't pick up a ball for six to eight weeks um, I assume you agree that's just a drop in all formats. Yeah, I think it's similar to like the Freddie Peralta injury where similar timeline. And it's just so tough because, I mean, eight weeks from uh, now um, is what? That's two months from now. So we're looking at August, like early August at, at the best case scenario. And that's really when they start the rehab stint. Then they yeah. got to go through rib rehab. If there's any uh, hiccups along the way, then they're not really usable. So I, th- and, and the Dodgers, they're going to make the playoffs. So the question is going to be for them. Like they want to have Bueller healthy, so right. they're going to take it easy with him. And so I just, I stay away. I, I drop those guys and, you know, I hope they get better soon, but I, I'm yeah. not confident. In it. Uh, so yeah, someone asked me, do you think he's even a drop in a 15 in the main event? I was like, I think that, I think like September 1st would be the absolute best possible concern. And I don't think that's going to happen, but like everything goes perfect with his rehab. They go six weeks for him to pick up a ball. It's still, I, I think September 1st is like the earliest you see him on a mound. And even then, like what's he doing? Probably throwing three or four innings and coming out of the game. Like you just, it's it, to see him in like a role where like, I feel comfortable starting with fantasies, like the last two weeks of the season. There's just no way I hold that for, I mean, it's not worth it. You just can't do it. And he's also got to be good. Yeah. And right? that's, that's a really good point too. Cause you're like, even if he comes back, like his his ERA was four this year in a one three whip. Like he hasn't been good. His fastball has been really bad and hittable. He's not like a like a top five most hittable fastball. Guess, yeah, ever I guess, since I guess um, it'd be, be a bottom five, but still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ever since uh, I mean, like people don't talk about the sticky stuff like that often, but like ever since that happened with him, like the velo has gone down. Like he has been a less effective pitcher which thankfully is one of the reasons why I don't have any of him across any of my teams. But um, it's just, it's sad though, because he's already had TJ once and you hate to see him, you know, lose more time. So we'll see. Yeah. He was a, he was a no go for me too at the price. Like if he had slipped, maybe I would have thought about it, but I just, I never even got really close to uh, to, to a spot where I could take him. Uh, last thing I want to ask you, Lance Lynn comes back this week, pitching on Monday. Uh, a, do you own Lanson anywhere? B, if you have him, are you throwing him? It's at Detroit with the possibility he gets a second start, depending on how Michael Kopech's knee kind of checks out. If they go six-man, if they rest him, I assume he's probably going to go on the aisle. They talked about him pitching yeah. next week. But the quote was like, uh, he hurt his knee pop, but he might pitch on Sunday. And I was like, yeah, that wasn't really. Uh. So either his leg fell off or it was very weird. But uh, 
are you starting Lance Lynn uh, right away off the IL if you have? Him? Yeah, I, I generally start players off of the IL unless I have intel that tells me like they're not going to th- go as many innings. Like I didn't realize that uh, Tyler McGill. I don't know if it was just a pitch count thing or what for him, but I didn't realize he was only going to go about three innings um, in the start this week. And I had him in a couple lineups and I was kind of disappointed in that decision-making just because if they're probably not going to get to five, then the ceiling for what they can do is very low. And the, the, the floor is very, is very low as yeah, well. You right. know, like you can, you can still, you you can can still get, you can still get lit up in those three innings, even though you can't get a win. Um, totally. Steven Strasburg has uh, two starts this week. He, he looked, he, he, his velocity was down in the first start when he came back and he got hit. Uh, pitched really well in the minors, and, and we were kind of getting excited about that. He looked really good there. Uh, he's got Atlanta and Philly this week. If you have him in a any size league, a 12 or 15, are you throwing Strasburg this week? Man, uh, I'm looking at it right now. It's, um, tough, it's a tough call, right? I think I am. I actually picked him up, and I would never have stashed him, but I picked him up in a 12-teamer uh, just because he was there. And I'm like, oh, I'll see what I got. I didn't start him this week, thankfully. I think I'm throwing the, the two starts and uh, if it's bad again, I think I might just get rid of them. Uh, but uh, I think I'm, I think I'm there to throw it, but man, Atlanta, Atlanta and Philly scares the crap out of me as, as a two step. Yeah. I mean, it, the metrics are really bad, but again, yeah. it's one start. So things can change really quickly. I would probably throw him out there. I think I have him in a, I have him in one DC and I think I've got him in there. So you throw it in, it's two home starts as well. And, yeah. and while it doesn't seem like a lot when you're going up against the Braves and against the Phillies, you know, those home starts really do make a difference. If you use like the Razzball weekly yeah. tool to look at him, like those home starts really do have an impact. Guys do a lot better at home. So yeah. roll with that and the, 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 90, the, best. the fastball at 90.4 is uh, concerning of a guy that, uh, you know, in his heyday was a 95, 96 kind of guy. I know he hasn't been that way for a couple of years, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It was uh, the first start, like the first inning looked all right. And then he looked really, really sketchy after that. It's kind of remarkable though, just to think of like how, how much like the majors has changed in the time that he's been pitching where he came up and everybody was like, he's the fireballer. He's got like the best fastball ever, the fastest you'll ever see. And now it's like, I mean, 97 is, is very fast, but you know, it's, but Hunter uh, green does that a hundred times a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Sandy Alcantara and DeGrom and, Cool. Yeah, Al- like- Alcantara went mid second in my Vegas draft, and I was like, he went to a really good, uh, really good player in Emmett Ruland, and I was like, that's mm-hmm. that's early, must be his guy. And uh, now, now that looks like uh, that, that was definitely way too late. Dude's been awesome. Yeah, uh, Brian and I have him on our, our shared team, so that's been it's been fun to to watch him, last um, especially thing, after the struggles. Early. Last thing, how is the shared team with Slack doing? Uh, we're doing pretty well. Um, nice. We are in, uh, I think we're in fifth. Uh, dropped down a couple spots this week because of the Garrett Cole um, disaster um, and a lack of wins. Man, wins are brutal. But uh, yeah, we're in fifth place, 94 points. All right, we were up at spot. like one, 102 at the beginning of the week. So, and in is, second place, uh, I think at that point. So. Is Slack able to split his time between you and Nick fairly? Um, I think so. I think so. I think so. <laughs> Yeah. I, uh, I I love I love snack Slack and Nick, so I'm just giving them a little crap. But two of my uh, two of my favorite people for sure. So, oh yeah, uh, I, I had a blast. I got to I got to hang out with both of them in in Vegas this year and doing are. the. It, it's an auction that we share, and that was a lot of fun. I've never done an auction before, and that was just like it was it was so fun. So. Yeah, they're they're great dudes. It's funny. Nick actually knew my wife before I even knew who he was, or before the fancy bros were from the from like the A Oakland A's world. So it's fun. Yeah. 
weird. He was at my house watching games in 2012 before I even knew he played NFBC. So it's a, it's a weird, strange, small world sometimes, but well, Toby, I really appreciate you jumping on. It was always, it's always fun to talk with you and you're a really good guest. I love talking players with you. One of the, one of the better, one of the best uh, fantasy players out there, but why don't you tell us where people can listen to you? I know you have your podcast with Bubba. Um, just give us a quick, uh, where people can find you on Twitter, where people can listen to you, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you can listen to me on, um, uh, every week, uh, myself and then Bubba, um, from the bench with Bubba podcast, we put together a podcast going over the waiver wire, um, and some player analysis every, uh, Wednesday, it'll come out Wednesday morning. We record Tuesday night, late in West coast, uh, called Batflip crazy fantasy baseball. And then on Twitter at Batflip crazy, that's the best place to connect with me there. And thanks so much for the invite, Scott. Really appreciate it. Love the show. Um, love your work. Good luck the rest of the way. I know you've got two great teams, including yeah. one that's that's dominating. So um, best of luck. I hope you finish second and I finish first. <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, first and second's a huge gap this year. Oh, have is you, it have really? You, have you looked at the price? Because they increased the overall price to 175 and second place is 40. Like that's, that's a oh, huge. Oh, man. That's a huge. Like if someone. That is a huge if, gap. If that's like a last couple days swap, like that's a tough one. Oh, stomach. man. I can't, I can't even imagine like. Yeah. I think you've been in, in that spot at least once before, not like like where it's re- where you're like right at the top. I finished. Like, uh, I can't even yeah, imagine. I finished third like four or five years ago, but I wasn't mm-hmm. like the last week. There was no chance for me to get to first, so it wasn't like that stressful. And it's still, it was a lot of money up there where I felt good about it. I think I moved from maybe fourth to third last week, so it felt like I did well last week. But um, yeah, that's like a last couple of days, and that's a huge difference in first and second. That's gonna oh, be man. that's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, be for sure. Let's. Uh, I always say uh, all I all I ask for each season is like to have a team in the in like the top twenty, like the last uh, last month or so. So like you just get that really really lot of fun. I mean that's why we play is for that for that last month to be really fun. And the last month is tough, but like that's all. It is. Just give just give me a shot in the last month that I'd be pretty happy. So if I'm uh, if we got a top twenty team in the last month, I'll feel pretty good with uh, with giving my chances there. Yeah, for sure. I know you have a lot of people rooting for you. So, oh well, we got a, we got a long ways to go. You've got good teams up there too, and uh, there's so many good players. A lot will change, uh, but uh, yeah, like you know, like August fifteenth, I'll start to think about it a little bit, and uh, if if we're still up there and uh, and, and have some fun with it. But uh, again, Toby, I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, great stuff on all the player talk. I really appreciate that. Again, everybody, follow uh, Toby at BatFlipCrazy on Twitter. I am at Scott Jensen on Twitter. Uh, if you want to hit us up for any kind of baseball talk, we'll be there all week. I apologize for the basketball talk from me on monday and thursday and maybe sunday after that depending on how the uh, how the playoffs go at the end of the way end of the road here but uh thanks everyone for listening again please rate over the podcast we greatly appreciate that uh, for toby i am scott we are out of here uh we're back at you next sunday night uh jeff erickson went back in uh, the united states so we're back uh, taping there look forward to chatting every then hope everybody has a fantastic week take care everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.